0: Welcome, listeners, to Overexpressed and Out. I'm Roseanne Liberti, and I'm here today with my co-host, Jenny Burkholder.
1: And Remy, the dog.
0: Our mascot, (laughs) who has just discovered the nylon bone.
1: You can hear her chewing in the background.
0: Jenny, it feels only fair that we ask each other the very questions that we ask
1: of our guests. Agreed, Roseanne. So, Jenny, I'm wondering, what brings you joy? Such a great question, Roseanne. There are so many things that bring me joy, and thankfully, I have so many things in my life that bring me joy. But when I was thinking about my answer for this interview, I have a picture on my desk of my two kids, and it was taken right after my initial surgery in 2012 when I was diagnosed with early-stage breast cancer. So I had a radical right breast mastectomy and a tram flap reconstruction in 2012, And between that surgery and starting chemotherapy, we went on a trip with some friends to a farm and my kids at that point were six and three years old and they had an opportunity to feed the goats and pet the horses and gather the eggs and so... One morning, uh, my husband, who's a photographer, took this beautiful picture of them. And the older one is probably about six or seven inches taller than the younger one. And they're embracing and looking at the camera in these beautiful summery print shirts. And there's just this beautiful expression of joy on their faces. And so I love looking at that every day because I love the image of them embracing. And I know that that embrace um, is not only about their sisterly bond, but it's also about the safety that they bring for each other. So it assures me that if something were to happen to me or to John, that they would have each other to um, embrace each other and feel safe. And then at one point, this photo's been on my desk for years, at one point a white post-it note showed up and it said, I love you, mommy, on it. So every time I look at that, I think about the love in my heart for them, and I think about the love in their heart for me, and I um, am assured that you know all is good in the world. Roseanne, what about you? What brings you joy?
0: I do feel fortunate, because I do feel like I'm hardwired to look for joy. So much of life makes me joyful, and before all of this, I was a middle school science teacher, The thing that did bring me joy at that point in my life was time by myself with quiet. The thing that brings me joy now, it's almost like surprising to me. The thing I love the most now is to do things with someone for like an hour outside just fills me with joy. And it's a very different experience for me. I needed to be by myself in ways that now after two and a half years of spending a lot of time alone, time that I appreciate so much with the people I love. Brings me joy.
1: I'm thinking about why you were interested and are doing Overexpressed and Out this podcast.
0: So, Jenny, my family and I got a partial season of tickets to the Philadelphia Phillies this summer. And you know, the Jumbotron, and when there's not anything happening, say on the field, they pan the crowd and My favorite part of the game is watching when people figure out they're on that screen and the way their faces light up. The next thing that happens is really what I pay attention to. It's the noise in the stadium. It's the way 80, 100,000 people react to that person, and it's just over and over. So you see someone light up, and they're like, and then you hear the crowd go, or whatever their reaction is. That's collective joy, right? It's this idea of one person's reaction, witnessed by others, can create a feeling that is of the collective. And the other piece is that in my experience with ovarian cancer, there have been times where I have felt so incredibly alone. And I know that's not true. So when that happens to me, I remind myself I'm not alone so the podcast for me is kind of a, a a marriage of that. This idea that I want to be part of bringing collective joy, being part of holding the collective of women in their stories. I want to create podcasts that have the effect of the Jumbotron. And I want people to recognize that you're never alone. And even when you think you are, you can put on a podcast for 20 minutes and feel a part of a community.
1: I love that image of the Jumbotron. It's so great. And it's so true. Why the podcast? Well, the podcast, first and foremost, our perspective, one with metastatic breast cancer, one with ovarian cancer, gives us a unique perspective on the world. We are living in a very different reality in a lot of ways than other people Mostly because we have to live in cancer land. I mean, people live in cancer land a long time, but you know, the idea that we've harnessed that perspective and are using that perspective to, to lift up other women and their stories, I think is incredibly important and yes, very joyful. I think overexpressed and out the podcast is an extension of my, hear my voice training, which I did in 2021 when I was trained by Living Beyond Breast Cancer to become a metastatic breast cancer advocate. And one of the things I realized in my advocacy is that what I do best, what gifts I bring, were right in front of me, were writing and expression and using my writing to show a different perspective than people may or may not have thought about. So I started Overexpressed Blog, which is an homage not only to... My overexpression of HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, but also my overexpression and homage to women writers, to other women, to other stories, to telling people's stories, to holding space, as you said, for those stories. So, yeah, I think that's where it started. And this podcast just gives us an opportunity to, again, as you said, widen our net and to offer up these amazing women who you may or may not have heard about or have not heard their stories in this way. So that brings me a lot of joy. Roseanne, we talk a lot about this idea of overexpression. It's actually the name of our podcast. And I recognize that I use the word because I know a little bit about how my cancer functions and that I'm HER2 positive and that my HER2 genes have overexpressed. Mostly though, I use it as a literary and sort of play on words, Um, you know, this idea that somebody can be overexpressed in their writing or in their talking, in their performance, etc. So I I use it that way. I also use overexpression as this idea of really loving something, right, like fangirling over something. I'm, I'm overexpressed in that way. But I'm wondering if you can explain it biologically.
0: I'd like to do that, Jenny. Thank you. Overexpression is something that genes do. We all know that we're made of cells, and every cell has your unique 46 chromosomes, and those chromosomes are made out of DNA. Little chunks of the DNA are called genes, and every gene has the code to make a protein. That is what expression of a gene means. Almost all cancer cells overexpress. There's a very tight security system on the making of protein our cancer cells, they mess with that and they go in and they say, make more of this and they overexpress. So that is what overexpression means. Cancer cells overexpressing and it's to their advantage, not necessarily to ours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And yet overexpressed and
1: out is to our advantage. Exactly. We, you know, we could think of, The outing here is not only the outing that we go on when we interview guests and the outing of their joy and their stories, but the outing of those overexpressed cells and genes. We can out those too. And I love that you chose that as your blog name. And I love the
0: play on over and out. And there is this perspective, right? I live edge of life. And it doesn't mean I know when I'm out None of us do. There's always this reminder, in, kind of in the back of my mind, of the preciousness of this time. The attention that I am choosing to give is rooted in my understanding of the delicateness of my body. It's so amazing how incredibly resilient the body is. You, you take it through chemo that it just doesn't even seem possible that you could survive, and it's so incredibly delicate that things can just turn so quickly right and shut down, and the resilience of the human body and the and the delicate systems have made me really pause to think about what it means to
1: be here on earth and living a life. I love that Roseanne, can you give us a brief overview of your cancer journey? I was fifty two and
0: I was starting another school year as the seventh grade dean and a middle school science teacher. Truthfully, I knew I didn't feel well that year. We were knee deep in the pandemic. And January of 21, my father suddenly dies. And less than four weeks later, I was diagnosed with stage three ovarian cancer. (sighs) Wow, I don't even know what to say. My life just stopped. It just immediately stopped. I no longer worked. I was lying on a Operating table five days later, it was too much to even process at that point. And I then did four months of intraperitoneal chemo. So I had Taxol intravenously, and then I had Cisplatin and taxil dripped into my peritoneal cavity. I have pretty severe neuropathy in my hands and my feet as a result of the Cisplatin. I chose a pretty aggressive treatment because I knew that I only had one really good chance of hitting this cancer as hard as I could. Once I completed that, I was completely bald, pretty swollen, pretty beaten down. I got a little bit of a break, and then I started a maintenance chemo, which I take called Zajula. take it every day. The first few months of that were incredibly challenging, and I dose-reduced... And I would say, by the spring of twenty two I was starting to heal. I was such a physically active woman prior to all of this, and my body maybe operates at fifty percent and I think that's even that's even giving myself a little bit more energy than I have, but I'm super grateful that I'm here and I'm amazed. At the number of people who have helped me to continue to get this body back in order. And so that's what it feels like. I'm rebuilding this body a little bit at a time and patiently accepting what it can do and really trying to embrace the joy and the moments that this disease and this journey has afforded me. And Jenny, one piece of my journey that I think is really unique is that when I sat in my car by myself and I read my ultrasound report and I thought, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. Ovarian cancer. I think that's one of the really bad ones. I knew that within minutes I would be in touch with you. There is something so remarkable that I got that diagnosis a year after you were diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer. You just can't imagine how that was less scary for me. And I appreciate that. A lot. I don't appreciate that you have cancer. (laughs) It's so true, right? (laughs) I appreciate that life is so exquisite and surprising and divine and lovely that our paths have intersected the way they have for the past 20 years. I never would have guessed we'd be here, but here we are. Here we are.
1: Here we are. Um, Yeah. I feel like I've been in this a long time. I was talking to a woman on the LBBC helpline, and I said I was diagnosed in 2012, and she was like, what? That was a long time ago. And I was like, yep, I've been here a long time. Um, Speed, Thank (laughs) goodness. (laughs) That's right. Um, Yeah. I mean... You know, the story is what it is. Diagnosed at 40, I had two small kids, breast cancer, no family history, 100% unclear where this all started, how it all started. And, you know, at the time, I really just put my head down and did what I was supposed to. I had a radical right breast mastectomy with a tram flap reconstruction. That was really important to me to use my own tissue to reconstruct my right breast. I did four rounds of chemo and five years of tamoxifen. I did exactly what I was told. And then after tamoxifen, I was great, you know, for years. And then I was in a yoga class at the end, probably mid, it must have been mid 2019 when I started feeling it. And I was in my late forties and I... I thought I had a yoga injury, and I remember starting that school year, the 2019 school year, and I said to one of my former colleagues, gosh, you know you're getting old when you start the school year in pain. What I thought was a yoga injury, what I thought was aging, what I thought was going to go away didn't, and by the end of 2019, on December 31st, I was di- rediagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, which was not only in my sternum and was HER2 positive, which had shifted and was in my pelvis, but was like compressing my T4, in my T5, in my L1, in my L3. So from there, it's been a bit of a journey. Because my tumor markers had changed from HER2 negative to HER2 positive, I went straight to the HER2 positive medications, which, you know, have been used since the 90s, which was Herceptin. And Herceptin worked for years, a couple of years, two and a half years, until we started to see some progression in my uh, L1. And we we kept an eye on it and used palliative therapy, stereotactic radiation, which is high dose radiation that goes straight to the point that it needs to, or without radiating the rest of my spine and my internal organs. So we did that twice on my L1 and my L3. And then we realized that the Herceptin had stopped working. So now I have started, um, last year I started in Her2, which, you know, has its own joys and concerns. And yet, at this point, seems to be working. Doing its job. Exactly. So I'm back in yoga. Don't worry. Back doing handstand, headstand. I've added Afro House. I've added bar. And my favorite part about this whole journey, Roseanne, was those three months when we weren't sure what I had and the six months we weren't sure what you had. And we did so much research and so much speculating.
0: You, we were both on a quest of trying to figure out what was wrong. Right. And much like when you're holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail.
1: Exactly. I think the um, important piece here, Roseanne, is that um, one of the things that we both recognized is that we were paying attention to our bodies and we knew something was wrong and you knew something was wrong with your body, and you kept persisting. Even though it was COVID, even though you were in this deep grief about your father, you knew you had to keep showing up to your doctor's appointment and keep showing up and saying something's wrong. So, Roseanne, one of the things we ask of our guests is for them to bring a truth or principle that they live by. What is yours?
0: Jenny, about midway through chemo, a really dear friend of mine gave me a T-shirt that says, be curious, not judgmental. And there's an image of a dart in the center. And so, yes, Ted Lasso viewers, you know this is a quote from the last episode of season one with Ted Lasso, and I love this quote. It really resonates with me. It resonates with me as a scientist because scientists know that what we do is we observe. What you see and not what you think takes opinion out of things, right? And I think it's such a great way to, to hold people And to hold yourself, the thing that I'm really looking for most in my life going forward is ease. Another reason that this quote is meaningful to me is it's this reminder that at this point, I am safe to just be. I am safe to just be curious in life. And I don't need any of the judgment. And I can put that all down. And I can really just enjoy myself and and my life and the people in my life and find the ease in just observing and celebrating and holding all of that, I don't have to attach anything more to it.
1: I am drawn to the Quaker idea of way will open. And I often think about that living with metastatic breast cancer. Because there are many times when I am stymied or stopped by Fear, doubt, skepticism. And when I am in those moments, I have to breathe and remind myself of what's right in front of me, the abundance in my life, the gratitude, the joy, and realize that way will open. It has the potential. Way, whatever the way is, whatever the way may be, however the way it, it presents itself, it opens. And if I allow myself to be more present with myself, more present with the universe, more present in practices, in rituals, with my family, with my husband, that yes, indeed, way does open. I approach that, you know, heart forward as much as I can without judgment, more with curiosity, but the idea that, yeah, way will open. Roseanne, this has been a pleasure. I hope our listeners have enjoyed our interview of each other. I see that Remy has enjoyed being with us.
0: She has. She just gave a nice big sigh. Jenny, thank you for being here with me today.
1: Thank you, Roseanne. So for now, stay well, find the joy, and we're Overexpressed and Out.
0: Overexpressed and Out, a podcast, is engineered and produced by Roseanne Liberty and Jenny Burkholder. Special acknowledgments to the incredible talent of Raji Malik for the use of his song. Rejoice, no crisis. From his newest album, Time of the Glowing. Find this song and others at rajimalik.com. R-A-J-I-M-A-L-I-K.com. Claudia Sessa for her advice, know-how, and patience. The Johns, Ryzen, Napic, and Flack for helping and believing in overexpressed and out. Visual designer and artist, Nicole Kurtz, for making Jenny and Roseanne into a logo. Find her at nicolekurtz.com. And to all of you for listening, reach out and share your stories, thoughts, and reflections at overexpressedandout at gmail.com. Cheers to it all.
1: Cheers to it all. Oh. Cheers to it all. Over-express. And out. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like what you get us...